Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films, how to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Today we're talking about going from making music videos to making feature films, what that leap is like, and how hard it is to work in the film business. I am Giles Alderson, director of the Dare feature film and World of Darkness feature documentary, and producer of A Serial Killer's Guide to Life. Joining me is Dan Richardson, who is a producer and lead actor in the feature film Retribution, and is currently starring in Disney's The Lodge. Hello, Dan. Oh, hi. Hi. How you doing? Great. How are you? Good. How's Olive? How's the dog? She's amazing. Yeah? She's Olive. Olive is just fantastic. She's yeah. um, she's little and she's cute and she gets me stopped in the street. I love that. And she's a dog. Do you know what? It's quite nice I when you say. Have... Yeah, you should say. <laughs> get stopped in the street. Just dragging some old lady behind you on a lead. Come on, Olive. Yeah. Well, I don't know why I'd speak like that. Well, she might. She but... might. She, well, she might say that. Come on, Dan. She's dragging you. More likely. We are recording in Just Voices Studios today. It's a beautiful studio in Victoria, in London. If you want a studio that's very reasonably priced, then do check them out. It is justvoicesagency.com and speak to Simon. If you do like this podcast, do us a favour. Go onto our iTunes page. Please subscribe. Give us a lovely rating uh, and a nice review. It really makes a difference and it really helps us get up the charts and makes more people, more filmmakers, more screenwriters, more directors know about this podcast and hopefully they can learn from this too. Today's guests are the producer-director team of Pickups, a feature film starring Aidan Gillen screening at the LFF on the 8th and 12th of October. One half of that team is Phil Bowman, an editor and producer who has edited many TV shows, including Hear No Evil and Obsession. And the other half is Jamie Thraves, who's written and directed debut feature The Lowdown was named by Observer as the most neglected masterpieces of film history in its 50 lost movie classics. He has also directed many music videos, including Soundsmith's Stay With Me. Welcome to the show, Phil Bowman and Jamie Thraves. Hello. Hello. Hello, boys. How you doing? Good, yeah. You've just been to the BFI to watch a little... A little, uh, a little snippet of the film, yeah. Mm-hmm. How's it looking? It's, it's looking good, and it's all ready for, for next week. Uh, the Yeah, Saturday the 8th screening, or Sunday the 8th, sorry, screening at the BFI. Jamie? Yes, 8.30. Well 8.30. <laughs> yeah, well done. Exciting. Plug, we yeah. got that in. We're very excited. We're Does, done. Plug done. Good. Plug done. We'll, we'll talk about that more. So, look, this podcast is all about helping people inspire them to make films. And if we have done that, we're, we're eternally grateful that we can even attempt to do that in any kind of way. So I suppose, first of all, but how did you get started in the business? What was your journey? And because I know you made a short film, I just want to kiss you for the BBC. Do you want to tell us how that happened? Well, I, st- I went to art school. Um... Art was about the only thing I was good at at school, or anything I sort of really enjoyed. So I went to art school. Um, when I got there, I started doing uh, animation. Mm. And from there, I got into making films and sort of realized that I could sit in the cinema in the afternoon and not feel guilty anymore. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of... It's part it of was the, work. Yeah. It's exactly, so um, yeah. I thought, this is it. This is what I want to do. So I started making some short films. They, they sort of did well at a few festivals. And then I got asked to join a music video company and started mm-hmm. making music videos and i think where up to just i just want to kiss you was probably the last short film i made really um uh that was with martin freeman yeah great cast member to have on your first short. yeah yeah well that wasn't my first short that was oh. kind of a bit of a later one mm-hmm. but um but yeah it was the first one i did with proper money because yes. like it was with it was this 
BBC talent scheme at the time, okay. which doesn't exist anymore, shame. which is a shame. Mm. It was called Brief Encounters. Right. And uh, you got the equivalent of, for a 10, 11 minute film, you got the equivalent of a sort of million pound budget feature film. And it was, but wow. you had to pay union rates and you had to, so it was kind of tri- sort of training you to get used to working in the correct sort of business-like manner. Yes. With the... And also to have a, you had to, you couldn't go over 11 minutes. It had to be like this length of time to fit this, this, this schedule. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was a really good, a really good a scheme. And, uh, I learned loads from it, but yeah, no, we got Ma- Martin was, uh, he hadn't done the office at that stage. No. So this so was, was really early days. He looked very young in it. Right. Yeah. Is it available on? YouTube? Yeah. 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 You can see it. It's part of future shorts picked it up. Ah, so it travels okay. around the world and sort of it's on. On, on YouTube. Being on telly at the time must have been huge for you, right? It was massive, yeah. And it was quite a good time. I remember it was around about nine o'clock or something on BBC Two. It was, fanta- it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Where else? You know, shorts either hit, do the festival circuit or go online or both. Mm. To be on TV with a short, that's, I mean, that's really rare, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, Especially great. early on um, for you, that must have been good. And there wasn't that many channels. I mean, it wasn't, we're not going back too far, but it was <laughs> yeah, before. I go back, there was 33 channels. Yeah. It, <laughs> but it was yeah. before Netflix. It was before that. So yeah. at the time, BBC Two was, people watched it. Yeah, it was good. It was a really good setup. Yeah. And Phil, let's talk about your start because you're an editor, um, but you, you started up, you actually made some short films as well yourself. Yeah. You went to college, right? Talk us through that. I did. did. Um, so I, I actually did psychology at university. Yeah. Because I, I didn't th- know that. Uh, psychology. I did. Yeah. Shit, now I'm more nervous. Not exactly. Sure. <laughs> We're out by <laughs> yeah. depth. Yeah. I didn't go to college even. Yeah. Did you not? Nope. Way out your depth. Yeah. I, I thought filmmaking was something that other people did. So, and you had to have special written permission from Hollywood to do it or something. So, mm. uh, no, I you did do that. actually. Have you not got that? I haven't got it yet. <laughs> It'll uh, come, don't worry. I think uh, <laughs> I don't know. pickups demonstrates that, that we haven't got the permission to do things yet. But, uh, um, no, so I, I did that and then I doubled down and did a, a master's in psychology and then. A master's? A master's. Still, I, wow. It goes, Phil, you know, it's better, doesn't it? Now he's telling me. I know. Um, and, uh, and then ended up in recruitment and, uh, you know, <laughs> naturally, yeah, <laughs> as you do. And then you think maybe, maybe I should, uh, try and do the thing I might be good at rather than be an average recruiter, be, you know, maybe I'm good at something else that I, I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And I skipped over to the BBC digitizing tapes on a Saturday and went from there. Really. Well, how did yeah. you get that job? Digitizing uh, tapes from being a. Psychology. psychology. You went. <laughs> yeah, went. You want me to do this job? I had a, I had a friend mind who uh, <laughs> did, do, he did do all the college route, and uh, he doesn't work in TV and film now. But he he was an edit assistant there, and they needed someone extra on Saturdays, and is uh, a fairly easy Saturday job, putting a tape in once an hour, and uh, uh, you know, um, yeah, and then just uh, getting to know all the gear from then, and okay. assisting, and onwards mm-hmm. and upwards. How did you boys end up in partnership then? Uh, do you, do you remember, Jamie? I do. I had my last feature was at uh, Treacle Junior was at um, the London Film Festival in 2010, 2011. I can't mm-hmm. remember. About now. 2010. And Phil had come to see the film and he approached us because we were basically, you know, I remortgaged my house to make that film. Wow. And uh, although I often say, everyone says to me, it's, it's nice that I had actually had a house to remortgage. Sure. But um, it was a bit of a risk. And it kind of, it just about paid off. Phil heard us doing the tour, came afterwards and you came up, did you come up to me it was, I, after that screening or, through, or was it, did you contact me through? It was someone, I knew someone that had done the DCP for you and it was just, I'd just seen the Q&A, knew right. someone who'd had experience of Treacle Junior and I thought, there, there's, there's 
maybe something I can get involved with and mm-hmm. got message on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. He, he knew Amazing. that we were looking for people that wanted to work in a similar way to yeah. sort of just, I'd, I'd made a film for the BBC, with the BBC films and I'd, it hadn't gone that well and I just wanted to go off and be really independent. And, and Phil sort of kind of bought into that sort of philosophy, really. So we, we sort of helped, sort of helped each other in lots of different ways. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. That's a good way to start. Let's jump back a bit to, to the lowdown, if you don't mind. Let's talk sure. a little bit about that because that was your debut feature. Yeah. Um, and the lowdown, it's, I've written down sort of a little bit about it. It's a playful, funny and obliquely unsettling story of 20 something Londoners stumbling yeah. through fraught friendships and amorous love affairs. It stars Aidan Gillen who you've worked with so many times now and Kate Ashfield mm. and various other people as well. Look, talk mm. us through how that actually got made because it was got Sundance official selection. It was, film, trying, four. It was film four. Yeah. Yeah. I'd always thought like it would be a short film that got me a, like attention and get me off to Hollywood or something like sure. that. And it, because my heroes like Scorsese and Jane Campion and people like that, David mm. Lynch, they'd all started off in short films and that had been their calling card. Yeah. Um, and actually what happened was, um, it was a music video that started it really. Uh, but in a way it was a short film. I did this video for Radiohead, mm-hmm. um, for, for a song called Just, and it had this guy lying down. It's got subtitles and it's, it turned out to be quite a big video for me. Yes. And it was a bit like a short film. It was. And you do it, that a lot with your music videos though. Yeah. They are kind of short films in themselves. Well, yeah. Certainly you, you grew to that. Yeah. I just ignore the songs and just put my <laughs> just short, films short films. <laughs> I know. I'll go make a short film and yeah, with the money. I, um, that was very successful for me, and and that got the attention of a guy at Film Four called Jim Wilson, who's mm-hmm. a producer for John Glazer, produced Under the Skin. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, really good guy. He was he was um, sort of second in command at the time at Film Four, and he was a big fan of the, that video. And he once he said, you you know, he he came to me and said, you know, we'd like to be involved in your first feature film. Have you got anything? So I I started writing this script and I showed it to him, and he he really loved it. So it kind of happened from there. Great. Such an endorsement of the way that the business works. We've talked about it in previous episodes where you talk about doing the work leads to more work and you can join the dots backwards like that and say, this guy at Film 4 contacts me because of a music video. But you couldn't have ever known that as a strategy. You would never have said, I'm mm. going to do this because that's going to get me my feature film. You know, you even had a strategy of making shorts in order to get noticed for a feature. And lo and behold, that's that's how it happens. It's amazing. It, I love how yeah. that happens. Well, it was, it was my second uh, it was a, it was another another music video that got me talking to BBC for BBC Films. I did the video for Coldplay for the Scientist, mm, and really? uh, massive, uh, the head of BBC the head of BBC Films, he hadn't even seen it. It, it, it was actually his sons that had told him about the video. Wow! And that's what got me the meeting in at the BBC because his sons were fans of Coldplay. So that's amazing. So it's kind of that's kind of how it can happen. It can happen. Amazing. I'll just do a little list of music videos he's done. Them. Sam Smith, obviously we talked about Tom Adele, Jake Bug, Dizzy Rascal, Damien Rice, Razor Light, Blur, and obviously the Radiohead one you mentioned. There's mm. many more. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, a great way to, to learn, right? On you're sort of learning constantly. You're changing things. You can play, you can have fun with them. Yeah, you can pick up some bad habits as well, like anything, I suppose, okay. when it comes to making drama. Like what? Um, bad habits. I've said that now. I've got to f- fulfill that. <laughs> Do you mean like sort of- lots of music over the top of people talking? Well, no. I, maybe, <laughs> you know what it was? You know what it is? I think I was always worried about the stigma that it would... I often get described as a music video director when I'm making... The music video director who made this feature film, that was always mm. a bit... That always upset me a little bit and kind of like you don't want to be known f- for one thing. You just want to be, you know. And so I think my the lowdown, I made this real conscious decision to, to 
the opposite of what I thought would a music video director might kind of make as their first film. Okay. And of course, the first few sort of descriptions of that film, music video director and some very music video traits in the film, wow. you know, like because I maybe use slow motion or something like something, that. Something, yeah. And uh, lots of jump cuts. Yeah. <laughs> jump cuts. That, it was made in what, 2001? 2000, I think. 2000. And then, yeah, yeah, then it kind of came out. I, can't, I always get confused the year you shoot it and then the year it kind of comes out and, and then the year it's like at and sometimes it takes a couple of years before they do come out yeah, yeah. certainly nowadays um, okay so suddenly you, you're now selected for Sundance mm. I mean at the time getting selected for Sundance was, was a massive thing did it feel that way for you? Yeah, um, yeah. it's actually a lot harder to get in there now. There's mm. more submissions every year, isn't there? There's too many submissions um, I mean I think that's that's a you know that's a kind of scary prospect you know because you know, it's 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 easy to get your films made, but harder to get in the scene. Mm. There's so much content out there. But I think, you know, I like to try and say positive and think that kind of forces you to try and do the best thing that you can. So hopefully you can stand out a bit more. Mm. But, you know, I think there's a lot of great films getting made and the, and getting into Sundance then was, was still a big deal. I'm a bit sort of like, you know, I can stri- I tend to strip away the glamour of these things. Good. Yeah. We you want me do. to do that? Yeah. Okay. Well, I got there and it wasn't like all sort of searchlights and sort of, you know, kind of, well, no, Sundance isn't really like that. No. I've it's... been, I've, Toronto's like that. Okay. You know, like if you've got like um, your headlining film, it's all big searchlights out the front and red carpets and stuff. <laughs> so Sundance isn't like that. But the lowdown was kind of tucked away a little bit mm-hmm. in this film and it was packed cinema. But it was like a bit round the corner and down an alleyway, right. you know. Okay. But you know, it was it was a great screening. It went down really well. And what happened off the back of that was was the sort of some obviously big Hollywood interest because of the Sundance. Thing. Um, it, you know what? I'd, it was I've had you know I've had my sort of flirtation with Hollywood. I sort of had meetings with some like you know I've been sitting in Disney Studios chatting with Diane Keaton and having pizza with drew barrymore but that was my my only big claims to fame of like real sort of hollywood glitz yeah i was a bit nervous of all that i have to admit i kind of okay. was a bit i was a bit shy about it i was quite young at the time 27 i kind of wanted to come back to england and make a film in england so that's why i came back and made the lowdown right. I, I, it was kind of when that all all that stuff that happened was after the back off the back of i just want to kiss you actually wow okay. yeah and the radiohead video and so i kind of i went back and I did. I, I did the lowdown, and I basically want, went to Sundance, and then I, I kind of came home and just wanted to stay in England and make films at home. What I you mean, mean, in order to be more confident in yourself that you learned your craft? I just, just, I don't know. I just felt like I didn't. I didn't want to be. I, I don't know. I didn't at the time. I didn't really want to make American movies. Really, I wanted to make British movies. And then, of course, my second film is like an American film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I shot it in Canada. But yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your, your second film. This is called The Crowd of the Owl. Yeah. A troubled young man retreats from the big city and his ex-wife for the tranquility of a small town. He's drawn into a relationship with a young woman whose boyfriend goes missing, leaving the new arrival as a suspect. I mean, it says the film was made for 12 million. Was it around that? That's what it says. It stars Paddy Considine and Julia Stiles, and it was BBC Films. Dollars, maybe, not sterling. Yeah, uh, dollars, yeah. Yeah, I think it was more like five million sterling. Okay. I have to be, they seem to do that a lot, don't they? They, they sort of inflate the prices Well, quite but then again, bit. the exchange rate back then was pretty much two to one, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's just yeah, rubbish it now. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So how did it go from, obviously you made that first film, The Lowdown, and now you're making The Cry of the Owl for BBC mm. Films. It's a, what, what was the transition between the two? Massive, yeah. Well, suddenly it was like, it was, it was huge. It was Winnebago's and, mm. you know. and Nice food. Yeah, and Hollywood stars like Julia Stiles. Yeah, and, and yeah. I had Paddy Constantine. You know, what so an amazing of, actor he is. Yeah. 
I can never forget. Uh, one of the, one of my favorite moments from any movie is him in um, what's his what's that amazing film where Dead he, Man's Shoes. Oh, Dead Man's Shoes. So good, Ooh, you're odd. <laughs> I've got them in the palm of my hand. I love right that. Yeah. Well done, Paddy. If you're listening, which you probably are, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was uh, it was it was quite overwhelming, but the the film was a bit fraught. You know, I had a lot of. Um, it was uh, God. I got a few sort of. It was a lot of bad luck happened on that film. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of a bit sort of. We weren't kind of green lit and officially, and we were still shooting, and oh. we started shooting, and it was kind of crazy. It was all okay. a bit crazy. So did that um, lead to people not being paid? Well, it was all a bit, this, it could have still gone down any minute. We started shooting, wow. we had to, because everything otherwise I think was going to, uh, it was just, it was quite fraught and, you know, actress dropped out two weeks before the shoot. Um, okay. And wow. we had to fly in someone very quickly, otherwise the whole thing would have collapsed. And it was all, yeah, very stressful. DOP, something, you know, personal happened to, a member of his family and that kind of put massive pressure on him mm. so it was all this you know the stuff you just don't you know it all sounds so glamorous you're going mm. off shooting this hollywood kind of esque film mm. and you know what i just i don't think people really talk about just how much real life gets in the way and mm. human sort of you know stuff happens you yeah, know and sure. you just have to deal with it and we had it seemed like we had an awful lot of problems but but then you look at like something like terry gilliam making that yeah, Don Quixote. Yeah, so you know, you know that yeah. it happens to mm. other people. It's not just, mm. yeah. Not but just, it was quite relentless. It was very, very tough shoot. We were shooting in really cold temperatures, and where were you? Um, we were shooting in Toronto. Oh right, like yeah. and it just the, the, the snow was like about twenty inches. Deep. You know, it was kind of really and moving any camera crew or anything around or equipment in, in the snow is just when you hard just work. when you've got these hard hot things you yeah, patches you, in your hands and your feet your and it's just not and it lasts for about five seconds mm. yeah, in your arms yeah you got them in your arms i refuse well. I, I don't bother having them because actually there's no point it just it's a false sense of security isn't it is, it? yeah. like, oh there we go oh, oh no i feel like i pissed myself it's <laughs> <laughs> just no fun anymore and a toronto winter is brutal isn't it, it? i mean people brutal. think of it as a civilized western city but in the winter it's anything but civilized it's like minus 30 yeah and um, blowing a bitter wind that goes right through you it's awful yeah it was it was but, you know, I learned so much from making that film. It was a bit of a, yeah, it was a difficult, difficult shoot. And the film was, you know, it didn't turn out as good as, I'd, as, as I wanted it to. I wasn't extremely happy with the final result. It did you kind of got a bit rushed. Yeah, did you have to rush it to get it in for a certain deadline? Exactly, yeah. Okay. And it, I, you know, I never felt like I got to make the film I really wanted to make, to be honest. Right. It's what? kind of, it's kind of half-baked for me. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and what, what about external to you? What, how did it? How was it received? No, not not great. No one saw it. Really? I mean, it's got some fans. Some fans of Patricia Highsmith, who's the mm. the novelist, yeah. really into the film. They think you know it captures Highsmith really well. Um, you know, because it was it's not a complete disaster. I mean, it's got something. I put loads of thought and effort and energy into it to try and really capture what I wanted to try and do. Yeah, I, I felt like uh, there's a sort of there was a director's cut that needed to come out really. The difference between that and the lowdown where you had much smaller crew and then suddenly having yes. much more how was was that difficult as well to manage that or were Well you I uh, they were they were the opposite I had the opposite sort of experiences. I had an amazing experience um well I had I had a real hard time actually getting the script past film four. 
for okay. the lowdown. They were really tough on the script. And so they really pushed me to kind of go, no, like, we're not happy with that. We're not happy with that. And I had to really be very clever about how to get that script past, you know, but still do what I wanted to do okay. uh, without feeling like I was compromising. But when it came to the filming mm. and the editing, they gave us an incredible amount of freedom. Okay. And they, they sort of backed off us, really. And they they sort of let us make it the way we wanted to. But they saw it, basically, you sort of make the film you want to make. Mm. And um, that was wonderful. Whereas with the BBC film, it was the other way around. I had a lot of... I, I got to write the script exactly as I wanted to. And I, I fought really hard for sticking closely to the book and mm. elements that I thought were really important. And they sort of trusted me and believed me. And then when it came to the shoot... Um, they were really behind me, and then when it came to the edit, it sort of all sort of fell apart. What was there too many voices, uh, too many people over your yeah. shoulders? It was all that opinions. It was a lot, was a lot of people involved because it was it was a lot. There was about five different investors, oh, okay. so it kind of it, it it proved to be tricky. And and you know, I to be honest, I blame myself. I don't, I'm not blaming. I'm not putting the blame on anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were brilliant. There's lots of brilliant, talented people there, but I was very insecure. And it was only my second film, mm. and I, I would have, if I was now with that hindsight, I'd be, I'd be able to handle that a lot better, and just tell those people, just to give us a bit more time mm-hmm. to let me find the film. Yes. But they, I didn't, I didn't have the the knowledge to do that. And so I, I'd say that to anyone who's going out to make a film, mm-hmm. to feel not to feel sort of intimidated by people who've been in the business a lot longer than you have, mm-hmm. and I was. And I, I was working with people who'd been working in the BBC for 20 odd years and been working with all amazing directors that I really admired. Yeah. So it was intimidating. I was intimidated right. and I shouldn't have been. So, you know, I've only got myself to blame for being intimidated. But, but it's it easily, my, it, but, it was my sort but, of youth and But I do understand that. Yeah, you can feel that way. People can make you feel that way because they do know more than you or you feel that way. And sometimes you, you do have to sort of stick to your guns and but it's you, hard but you look at some of the films that these people have been involved with and there's some films that you hate so you oh, know that like yeah, okay. they make some stuff that they get wrong mm. so they're not they're not they are flawed sure you know like anybody is flawed yeah so you have to stand up for what you believe in That's and you true. have to really fight hard and have to be very clever to try and maneuver your way around these you know certain things so just to kind of get to a place where you can actually just present the thing that you love, because that's mm. what you have to try and get to. Get to that place where you present the thing that you love. If you don't, I never felt like I got to present the thing that I loved with Cry of the Owl. I never did. And so it always kind of galls me that the film doesn't kind of really get talked about or get seen or mm-hmm. kind of had the life that it maybe should have had. I know Paddy's really proud of the film. Great. You, you know, he, 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 did, he was, he's fantastic. And Julia Stiles is really good. I like too. Julia Stiles yeah. and I love Paddy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. It's good. It's good advice. It's true. You have to stick to your guns. Um, and it, like you say, it's hard, but it's at the end of the day, as the director of the piece, it's your vision. You're the one who sat with it, gone through every shot you want, talked to the DP, you've all the colors, everything. Yeah. And for someone to sort of come in last minute and go, well, no, that doesn't work and no change that. It's, it can it, be frustrating. It, it was the deadline rush that put pressure on the whole shoot, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. Right, and was that a distributor decision to sort of say these are the dates? Tough, we're going on these. Dates. Well, it was trying to get it into a particular film festival uh, that we everyone thought was the best film festival to launch the film. Right, and it didn't get didn't in. get in. Wow! And once it didn't get into one, it got. I felt like it had that affected its other festivals to pick it up. Mm-hmm. We got into one A list festival, mm-hmm. a really good one, and um, but we'd all the. the Unfortunately, everyone was panicking 
Um, so they sold it off really quickly and they sold it to DVD rights to and Blu-ray rights to the, uh, um, a company within that festival's country domain. Mm-hmm. And they decided to release it on DVD before the festival. So the festival oh. had to turn it away. Cause it's no longer a premiere. <laughs> yeah. So it was it, that talk about the bad luck that that film had. And mm. I think if it had gone to that first one A-list festival, it maybe would have had a life. Maybe not. Okay. I mean, the film is flawed. I, you know, it's, but it, you know, so. That's so insightful. That Thank it you really for showing is. that. It's yeah. really amazing really, to hear that. Yeah. Like there's especially the, the whole bit about, you know, just the, that, that nugget of advice for people making films about st- standing your ground, you know, sticking by your guns. Yeah. And, but you can't see it. I mean, I'm, I remember, I can't remember which famous director said it, they saw making films as a bit of a fight. And I think it's, it is, but I think you have to be diplomatic. And, you know, not every, everyone's there. You just have to make sure you're on the same page as with everyone and, and not be defensive about it. Mm. Because if you're defensive, then you can get booted out. Of course. You know, if you get, you have to be really smart and very affable and very sort of friendly and get on with everyone and just make sure you just very, carefully you know bring people around to to the way you see things mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and obviously actually i think the problem is when you feel you haven't got full power if you don't have final cut as they say yes um then you're already on the sort of defensive and i think that i learned that from making my third film because mm-hmm. i had full power and control because i was funding it myself sure and what i learned was when you when you're more relaxed um, and you don't have anyone saying, you know, you can't do that. Um, actually, you're much more open to people's opinions because it's, I think it's, it's also egotistical yes, for a director yes. and a writer to think they know absolutely everything. They, they've got every decision right. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's a collaborative process and people are going to say, why are you doing that? That's not a good, that's not, that's not good. That's not cool, that yeah. choice. And, and you need people that you trust around you as like, I love that quote in the west wing do you ever used to watch the west wing i think it was like martin sheen playing the president he said like you know he likes to surround himself with smarter people than him yeah you know it's so true i think that's what what it should be we talked about in the podcast last week about doing that just Mm. not surround yourself with positive people who who are smarter than you who can really help you yeah it makes a big difference but not be intimidated by that yes but just make sure they know when to be able to bit yourself into a relaxed position so you know when people are offering you good advice or whether they're mis or they're mis you know you're they're sort of misleading you Mm. not mis not purposefully sure misinterpreting um, misinterpreting yeah Yeah. and uh and putting you on a path that maybe you shouldn't be going down so it's it's being a, it being in a good headspace to be able to recognise when someone's giving you good advice and ba- or bad advice. Yeah. Great. Um, and let's move on to Treacle Junior. Now you mm. mentioned it. You, you mortgaged your house to make this film. Mm. What was the process there? Why did you feel you needed to do that? Was it uh, lack of money? Was it? It was funding? because no, it's because of the last experience I'd had with Cry of the Owl. I just mm-hmm. wanted to know what it felt like. I well, also there used to be this kind of attitude that people who make one feature film in this country, the percentage drops massively who get to make a second film, mm-hmm. and then it drops again who get to make a third feature film, and so 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 on. So when my first film got really good reviews. Mm. The lowdown got great reviews all across. I mean, even in the sun, I was like shocked. Some of the papers I really hate, but it didn't really get seen because there was only five prints of it. So it didn't have like a world, you know, like a I big, see. huge cinema release, you know? Yes. The second film I made, Cry the Out, didn't make it into cinemas. It went straight to DVD. So it was a bit like 
oh crap, you know, mm-hmm. this could be the end of my film career. You know, I've like I've had two strikes and third one. If I don't do something, I'm out, sort of thing. That's what it felt. That's like. what you felt, yeah. And so I just I just wanted to know what it felt like making a film where I had complete autonomy. Mm. Um, you know, I'd had that when I was a student making films at college. Now, you know, you, we had a lot of freedom at college to make the films and they'd done well and I'd won, you know, I'd had success with my music videos and my short films and won awards. But like, that was kind of, you know, I found that was quite elusive with feature films. It's a much harder sort of world. to. But there's this awful pressure on filmmakers, like your debut film's got to win at Sundance, yes. win at Cannes, mm-hmm. win in Berlin or Venice. Oh. And if it doesn't, and if it doesn't get into those festivals, that you know, I know some really talented filmmakers who've been holding out to try and get into this festival and it doesn't get in and it kills them. Wow. And, it, and it kills me. And the rejection is awful. It's crushing, absolutely crushing. Mm. And you just feel like, and then you read a review of your film. Oh, and then you just think, actually, you know, and, you know, critics are important you know they are really important and, they, and it's lovely when they or uh, the thing is about critics is you kind of like go when they say something really lovely about your work you don't you don't believe them sure yeah and then when someone's really nasty yeah, you yeah. kind of think oh god they, they really hate hate me they hate me <laughs> yeah and they and you, i spent three years making this and they took 20 seconds to write the review and killed me yeah you know and it's like it's and you kind of you kind of feel like you shouldn't read any reviews at all so the festival thing and the reviews thing, it can be crushing. And it's like, so I think about around that time of like the second film, I thought, oh, Christ, I'm, I'm just, this is just so much hard work trying to make films. And I just, I dreamt of being a, a filmmaker since, you know, since I was 18. Yes. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't, I wasn't Steven Spielberg making films when I was seven, but I'd always <laughs> loved movies. I'd always loved movies. Mm-hmm. But I, as soon as I realized I wanted to make films, I, I, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be Scorsese. I wanted to be the Coen brothers. I yeah. wanted to be David Lynch, you so, know? Mm. Um, and so I thought, oh, you know, and you, you have this sort of, you have to have this sort of mad self-belief that you can do it. Mm. Um, and it's, it's weird balance between ego and absolute sheer sort of lack of confidence. You know, they're, they're constantly battling each other. And I got to the third film and I thought, I've just got to try it and have a go and making a film completely independently and that's what okay. we did with Trico Juno and it was a wonderful experience and the film you know we might you know the cry of the owl cost five million couldn't get it into any cinemas didn't get into any festivals Trico Juno got into the London Film Festival got into won a prize at uh, one What's first that? prize at Dinard yeah. and we we got it we, we got into the picture house cinemas we sold it to BBC Films uh, BBC Television it got um we made our money back oh, well it, it, it did it got into the top 10 at iTunes rental charts mm-hmm. and stuff I mean it's still not a film that m- many people know about um but the people who have seen it it's it's had a really good response because we made it with a really good spirit and I just wanted to have a laugh with my friends I wanted to make something really warm and funny and it was still it still had moments of being really tough. You yes. know, it was still, it was still hard. Filmmaking is hard. Yeah. yeah. You know, and arguments uh-huh. and, and horrible and Weather sort of, and yeah. locations falling down, actresses exactly. getting ill, all these things. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it was still, it wasn't like um, a big, huge party, but, uh, um, but yeah, it, it, there was massive benefits. And we basically decided to do it again with pickups. Yeah. It was um, very, a bit different pickups. Yeah. yeah, it was, well, from knowing Treacle Junior, it's even more stripped down in a, in a sense with uh, what we you wanted to make with. But we had a practice run with a short film first. Oh, did oh. you? You did a short first of... Yeah, that's the first thing we did when, when we met Patrick. Yeah, that, I've just realised that was, I Just Want to Kiss You wasn't the last short film. No. I did Patrick. 
Yeah, I made a film about my friend who um, had motor neurone disease. Okay. And uh, he's he sadly died recently, a guy called Patrick Joyce. And uh, brilliant, brilliant mind. Um, he he built his own aeroplane and mm. he's just a, a fantastic designer. He designed, towards the end of his life, mm. he designed this eye coordination to, to be able to move um his wheelchair with um with with with, just with, eye, with eye, just with his eyes he designed and patented this oh, idea that's incredible. so he wow. was um he was quite a genius really mm. and very funny a really talented artist and we made this short film me um and phil and a few other people who came on board and followed us to pickups and it was a bit like it was a sort of a te- it was a test run as a as a team mm. but also it was a chance for me to make a film with my friend because you originally wanted to do it as a as a feature and thought let's just do a piece and maybe we can get funding that's right we couldn't turn it into a feature in the end because of family situations and stuff um okay but uh it was it's a sweet short film and we haven't really shown it to many people have we no um and um is it a festival thing are you going to push to do festivals with patrick we we could do i mean it's we've just had it sit on the shelf Mm. for a while I, i i don't know why we've been a it's a lovely film. I think we were looking to maybe put it out into into the world on on the sort of um, at conferences about motor neurone disease and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Okay, but um, but that led on to pickups itself. Yes. Then, so you guys mm. were like, "Look, let's do this." Now, let's talk through this how how you made this because you made it in a really short space of time, basically mm-hmm. two weeks. I think it's twelve twelve days of was shooting. It twelve days shooting. I think so. Okay, so like five in London and whatever twelve minus five is in. Was that in seven Ireland. days? I thought it was five and five in London, five in Ireland. So. No, it's more. No, we we were there longer. Okay, it yeah. felt like short yes for you, but it was still very yes, very still very short shooting time. Mm. So let, let's talk more about it. So um, uh, this is Aidan Gillen again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's preparing to play a serial killer for a part, and he takes his prep a bit too far. Mm. Um, it's really funny. It's dark. Uh, it's comedy. It's twisted and it explores midlife crisis. I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, Aiden's character is called Aiden as well, so it mm. goes on that whole postmodern take as is he acting? Uh, how far does it go? What's real? What's not? Um, mm. It's really clever. It's really good. It's really interesting. Was it was it a case of you got a load of really good crew that you like to work with, good actors you like to work with, and said, look, we're going to do this? Uh, you wanted to be super, super lo-fi to the point where. There was no one. You like I have you, you and um, you and Aiden and your your DP friend Catherine Derry bought the Sony F5 camera, and part of the reason that Aiden chipped in for that was because he wanted to make this film with you, wasn't it? And yeah. you were feeling quite student team, like what happens if just me and Aiden went out and did this? And it was almost how little do you need to add on top of that? We 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 wanted to see how minimal we could be to make a feature film, right? And how small a crew we could do it with. Sure. And it's almost like a documentary crew that shot, shot this. Mm. There's about okay. five people behind the camera. I love that. Uh, at, Great. All, at all times. Mm. Because yeah. that was the legal requirement for us to do, <laughs> to, to do it. Do it on the streets. streets. Yeah. Mm. Documentary style. Yeah. So we were no more than five people behind the camera and we make sure we couldn't block. No tripods down most of the time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, I did a bit of producing for the first, proper producing for the first time, you know, calling up the police and saying, and getting a permit to shoot mm-hmm. in this park and make sure that no one thinks we're really killing someone in the park. Yep. You know, yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. But you could tell like a bunch of boys produced it because the, the day we went to the park, 
no one thought about bringing any bottled water or anything like that. So we literally <laughs> went for six hours or so. Just did that, all the stuff in the park with uh, with Chris and Aidan, and then that was the, that was the day done. There was lager, yeah, but no water. Oh, no, no. Was, uh, yeah. there, are, there are a few Guinness in Ireland. Yeah. And how difficult was it to shoot it? I mean, obviously you've got a smaller crew compared to your... I mean, Trickle Jr. was probably a, a small crew as well, but certainly compared to the, the Cry of the Owl, you're now working with very small crew. How did how did you find the differences between the two? It has incredible positives but also lots of negatives as well Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you know there were times when it was really really hard work and really stressful and then there were times when it was amazing when it was just you could move really really fast you were just you know you weren't this big huge machine you could Mm -hmm. you could but you know but huge machines can work very fast as well so again it's that thing of being a bit insecure about you know i'd had experience where it was massive and I found it a little bit overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm claustrophobic or something. I don't know. Sure. But I just, I just liked, I liked a really stripped down crew. Yeah, yeah. and and some beautiful locations, especially yeah. particularly in. A yeah, we sh- well, we shot in we shot in um, uh, in Dingle, and mm-hmm. we went out to, and we went out looking for locations. And we went out into this valley, and the guy who took us there, who was a guy you know who'd lived there all his life, and he said that you were the, like. You're the only second film crew, film crew to film in this valley. And we say, what was the first one? He said, it was David Lean, Ryan's daughter. (laughs) So he's like, oh, great, we're the second. We're just, David came here. He thought it was a good location. We'll film here. Easy production value that place was. Like, point a camera at it and whatever you get is like amazing. Yeah, it looks pretty. Um, As you're working with Aiden quite a bit, you'd both written it, right? You'd both sort of said, look, this is the story. Aiden had seen a short film that I'd made called The Takeout, which was very playful, mm. really experimental. It was like my sort of third or fourth short, um, somewhere between my gr- my college films and I Just Want to Kiss You. Yeah. And it was really playful, and I've said that. Um, <laughs> anyway, he liked the playfulness, and he said we should make a feature like that. And so that kind of got us talking, and we were chatting. And he was just, at the t- around that time, he was... He'd just done The Wire. He was about to do Game of Thrones, or he had just started Game of Thrones. And uh, he was getting more and more attention in the mm. street. And so he, he was telling me some, such funny stories about some of the fans that come up to him, and some of them were a bit scary, yes. you know. Um, and so a lot of the stories that are in the film are based on true events. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of comes across as well. It's very natural. It's very, it does feel very real yeah. um, in the way that the other parts around Aiden are sort of been natural. And maybe you did use some real people as well. Uh, there's a couple. Yeah, of there's a couple of moments of real people. The guy turned up at um, Petrol Station was a real guy. Okay. Um, some of the kids in the street, maybe. Kids in the street were mm-hmm. real, yeah. yeah. And it was that we went with, it was, so in a way, it was a bit like a documentary. It was like following Aiden and seeing what's happening to him in his life who 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 comes up to him in real life and we were hoping that would happen although the first scene he was we we said to him how often do people come up to you and he said well, maybe uh, i don't know it's sometimes it's a lot sometimes it's not that many at mm. all and so we st- we said well let's just see what happens naturally so we just filmed we filmed him walking up and down one of the main streets in Dublin, and no one was coming yeah. up. To him. And it, yeah, he, he wasn't that happy. He was just like, "It looks like I'm waiting for yeah, someone yeah, to come yeah, up to me." Yeah, um, yeah, anyone, please, yeah. I'm ready for autographs. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it did actually. <laughs> it paid off, and it's but actually, it just took it took one person, and then the and others. then other people noticed mm. him, mm. and then it was like there was this queue, and that's happened before. I've sat in him with him in a club, and yeah. there was a queue of about ten people waiting 
just so, to get a selfie. Which was, you know, he he's he's very good about it. Well, what's must mean interesting because in the film he's playing at the time a quite depressed, dour character, mm. and he has to stay in character. So when people are coming up to him, going "Hey," and he has to be like, uh, in that much more, he can't be friendlier. If you know what mm. I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, th- I thought it was a really interesting choice. But I don't. I don't think the real people like even notice. They just get their photo or whatever, and you could be so rude to them, but they'll just you're right. Think, oh man, that was, what an amazing experience that was. Yeah, because it was part of the film as well that they almost had permission to come up, and people that might not have come up came up. I also. see. Yeah. So on that, that's, I had a question on that note. Do you, cause presumably, you had to get people to sign release forms. Yeah. So then, after the event, they know that he's in character, so they're not thinking necessarily. He was a bit of a dick. He was really moody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. And how was editing? Were you editing as you were going on that? How was? I think I think I tried to at the beginning, mm-hmm. but being that I was also my main job of being there was being in charge of the footage and making sure everything was okay and backed up and everything. It, and the rate we were shooting, I quickly fell behind. And also, it was it was clear like this film was going to evolve at, at some point. And, and documentaries, you you need they need time and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly wasn't editing from the off and uh, it's certainly changed i think the first assembly is like two hours and it's it's not okay. the same film there was a lot of searching going on to mm. try and find the film that we wanted to make within the footage because there was a documentary element to it yes there was a definite pattern although actually you look at the first assembly in the beginning and the mm. ending and bits in the middle yep. are exactly as they and are they're always almost. in your, your original script. yeah so there was yeah. always always and i think in a way you need to know that as i think well, I feel, if you're writing a script, certainly, you know, you need to know what your beginning is and you need to know how to end and mm-hmm. you've got to have some idea what's going on in the middle. <laughs> yes. But um, but I think we, we we allowed enough room to sort of, for it to be quite malleable and sort of play about with it. And I think because we did that, it gave us a bit of a headache and made it a long extended sort of editing period hmm. but we kind of treated it like this side project while we went off and did other things yeah. i see so okay. we would come back and we had this amazing opportunity to be really objective about the film because mm. as someone's some of the best artists are the ones that can be the most objective about their work mm. you know obviously if the more objective you can be the colder you can be towards your own thing i just thought that was quite interesting i think that's very interesting yeah. so obviously you finished it how did you then start the process of getting it out there, getting into festivals? What did you do? What was that process? I think Aidan had always wanted it to go to the Dublin Film Festival mm-hmm. and start it off there because that's where we, you know, we filmed a good chunk of it. Um, and then, yeah, you, to be honest, you, you know, we haven't got a lot of money to really push it. We haven't, you know, so we, we just, you just got to let it be and let it and see what kind of life it has from its own energy, I suppose. And you just cross fingers that, people kind of pick up on it and mm-hmm. it sort of has this journey. So is the next stage to get distribution for it or is that slightly yeah, in place? But again, we're not going to be dismayed by that. If we don't get distribution, we're going to, we're going to go meet Aiden and I discussed going on tour with the film, like a band mm-hmm. and going around doing Q and A's with the film. Sure. Uh, art, you know, yeah, art, festivals art, and, and yeah, yeah cinemas and mm-hmm. I don't know how long we'll go on tour for. Maybe it might just be a week. Sure. But, sure. but um, yeah. yeah, and we just thought we'd go around and, you know, and, and, and do it ourselves if we have to and speak, yeah. speak to the cinemas directly. Mm. So, but, but then it's your control and that's a nice thing as well. It's you're saying, this is my film, I'm presenting it how I want to. Yeah. 
Yeah. I've actually made a number of films that have been described as Marmite films, you know. Mm. Yeah. Some people kind of love them, some people hate them. I actually think the worst comment is the in-between, like, yeah. meh, yeah. it's okay. It's You've true. not had a career it's the worst of, like, thing, three isn't it? stars. If you just had three stars, it's like, James Rose is fine, but you have people that loved you, and then people, you know, stuff's not for everyone, and we know pickups is, is going to put I, some people off, and that's fine, that's yeah. because some people will just really enjoy it, and those, it's, mm. I guess... It will definitely divide people, the film, and I really loved it. Um, but yeah, it's it's my taste, it's my kind of humour, and I think it's great. You can see that film at the LFF on Sunday the 8th of October and Thursday the 12th of October. Do get your tickets, do get down and see them. You're going to be there for a Q&A, right? Yeah, and Aiden is as yeah, well. Yeah, and Aiden and yeah. yourself, Jamie, mm-hmm. yeah, perfect, perfect. Um, what's next for you guys? What's coming up next? Um, I'm developing a TV couple of tv dramas okay nice and i just uh, yeah i'm thinking of my next feature script sitting down writing my next feature script okay yeah so and then of the tour as well obviously doing so, the tour doing the tour on the tour with yeah. the band the together yeah, yeah. <laughs> you probably will be in, in a little van, little van. Yeah. <laughs> sleeping yeah exactly right. you're going to be making a film soon aren't you phil you're going to be he wants to one day write and direct if uh you know you pass over the torch one day and, uh, well, I, I'll produce for you and yeah. you can produce for me we'll swap, we'll swap. it'll be nice, it'll yeah. be lovely what would be nice is if we're doing a TV drama and we can direct different episodes and stuff like that that'd be, that'd be all fun. my friends, I'd love, I'd nice. love to do a show all my friends are directing different episodes that'd be great, like yeah. yeah and you build a showrunner type thing as yeah. well yeah Sounds perfect. David Chase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. That'd be nice. Um, where can people follow you on social media? Jamie, you first. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter. And, yeah? Um, rather sort of nervously. Reluctantly? Yeah, reluctantly, but <laughs> shy. Shy? Do you not push out stuff? You're like, not really. No? Okay. I'm, a bit, I'm a bit crap on social media. And go on, give us the address. <laughs> well, Twitter? Yeah, do you know your handle? Oh, shit. Jamie Thraves. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Jamie it Thraves, is, yeah. the classic. Thanks, Phil. He knows. Yeah. There you go. And yourself, Phil? It's, uh, I mean, if people want to waste their time looking at <laughs> pictures of uh, my avid timeline, craft beer, and views from the Emirates Stadium, then by all means, it's Phil, Phil Bowman, Phil MJ Bowman on Instagram. For, You've yeah. sold it to me. No, yeah. I'm, sorry, I'm following wait. you now. I've yeah. done it. Dan's, not, Dan's on his phone. Look, <laughs> he's doing it. Uh, you Arsenal fan, then I take it. Uh, yeah, I am an Arsenal fan. Yeah. I'm an Arsenal fan. You're an Arsenal fan, Giles. I'm a semi-Arsenal fan. I'm a Barnsley fan, but I, th- I, I, I think everyone's a semi-Arsenal well, fan well, in the last I, the last ten years. Yeah, I play yeah. for the Arsenal charity team, so I, oh. I'm sort of allowed to say I'm an Arsenal fan. Okay. I played at the Emirates a few times, scored a few goals at the Emirates. Well, so. you're doing better than the, the rest of us. Uh, definitely <laughs> at the moment. Uh, you can follow me at Giles Alderson on Twitter. You can follow the Filmmakers Pod at Filmmakers Pod. Dan, where can we follow you? Dan710THS Dan on Twitter and Instagram. I have to say because people don't know, Dan710. Yeah. It means Dan710. Yeah. yeah, that's my production yeah. company, 710 Motion Pictures. Because, well, you tell me why. They're not going to tell me, are they? No, they, we, I think you did that in the first episode or no. first episode. No one said a thing. No. It's because the planet's seven-tenths water. I like water. Is yeah, that what it is? Have you given away? I a whole bottle a minute ago. Good. So, <laughs> listen, boys, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Do go see pickups. Uh, do go see The Cry of the Owl. Um, I'm <laughs> particularly that one. Yeah. Search it out. Search I'm going to come see pickups for sure. Yeah. Yeah, at, the, right. at the LFA, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for your time, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank right. you, guys. Cheers. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>